Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got the whole squad of four here on an off day for the Avalanche, sitting on a uh, two-game winning. I don't. I guess it's not a streak. I don't know what to call it. They've won two games in a row. Yeah, uh, it's a good week. <laughs> Uh, anyway, for the off day, I've had this conversation with a couple people. A couple people have talked about this with me, and I wanted to expand on it a little bit more. The NHL as a whole, over the last decade, but particularly over the last three or four years, has seen a significant trend upwards in total goal scoring and downwards in effective goaltending. Uh, and I wanted to dive into that topic, talk a little bit about why that has happened, how it's happening, and... Uh, if it's good, bad, or otherwise. So, uh, beyond the obvious, uh, looking at this season, the NHL average save percentage is at 9.04. Compared to a decade ago, 13.14, the NHL average save percentage was at 9.14. It's a pretty significant difference between those two. And I do think there is some important context here. We've talked a lot about Georgiev this season, and no one's going to sit here and tell you that he's been good enough across the course of the season. But as he continues to flirt right around 900, that is right around a league average save percentage. Now, that league average does include every single guy who has played one game and posted a 500 save percentage, so those numbers are... Not adjusted for starters and things like that. Skewed for some of the baddies. Yeah. And there's a couple of high-profile guys who have posted like 870s this year. But in this context, does this help Georgiev's case for still being a quality starter in the NHL? And then we'll expand into bigger topics in a little bit. So that's a, that's three. No one wants to answer this question. No, no it. it doesn't help it at all. Okay. Feel free. We Because of what we saw in him last season, it's hard to yeah. say that it helps much. I think what we'll do with this conversation later on is expand it to goaltenders more generally. Yes. And that's where I think, to some degree, it does give Georgiev some allowances, as it does all goaltenders in the league right now, and it's just based upon some of the changes in the game. But as far as Georgiev's individual season, I don't know if it grants him much relief just because of what we saw last year. And there's even small differences in the game from this year compared to last, just in terms of more power play opportunities being granted around the league. Even though there has been an improvement in penalty kills generally, there's just proportionately a lot more power play chances. That's where teams like Edmonton really thrive. And so I think even taking those things into consideration, we had a sample size of what Georgiev can do with significant starts last year that makes it hard to apply that too much this year. Here's what I'll say on him, not to be repetitious all the time about him, you know. I think I have an understanding of where he's at as a goalie. I think fans do. I think teammates do. I think the organization does. Um, what I see different this year than I saw last year was at times for you know three, four games in a row, he struggles in spurts. You know what I mean? So he'll struggle for, for a 10-minute period where there's four scoring chances and there's three goals. And, you know, we talk about timely. I mean, every save is a freaking timely save. We all know that, right? I mean, I hate that saying, but it's true, you know. But I just feel that he's struggled, and, and that's where I'm all for numbers and everything, but I, I just feel that his timing on struggling is what I've had a hard time with this year, you know, when it comes about him. All the numbers, you know, they, you know yeah, he's, he's all right. He's fine. And the subtitles didn't work? For the first like 15 minutes of the movie <laughs> just so just no clue yeah so everybody was just like sitting there like so what's up and then unless you're me bud they had to restart that's the movie that's true you got up to the front and translated it for everyone <laughs> all right i guess we fixed it i don't know what was wrong wanted to continue though you were talking about georgiev having issues in short spurts did they catch that? Or I don't know. Oh, I don't I'm, know. I mean, they might have. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Either way, I want to jump off from that. 
And the part that makes it tough for me with Georgiev, look, that 904 average across the league is what it is. But there are still the Connor Hellebucks posting 928s or whatever he's at now. Even someone like a Joey Decord who's having a breakout season. There are goaltenders out there performing at a high quality level. It's not a, a I you know, it, league-wide it's down. But there are still 10, 15 goalies that are capable of performing at the level. And even if you go back one year where goaltending was also down, maybe not quite as much as this season, but still quite a bit down, Georgiev was one of those goalies. He was putting up quality numbers a year ago. So, as Megan mentioned, we've seen him do it, even under similar, if not the same, circumstance as far as the NHL is concerned. It seems largely confidence-based with Georgiev, and it's pretty specific to his situation. And adding to that, some of the chances he's given up this year have been at distance, and I think we've granted more allowances when they have been dangerous opportunities that just weren't defended very well. And I think that's what makes it a little bit tricky to apply the uptick in scoring argument here but when we get into it we could talk about the ways in which it has changed the game for all goaltenders i want i wanted to start this wider conversation with eric because eric you lived through the 80s you grew up through the 80s and witnessed an nhl that scored at unbelievable rates something that has never happened in my lifetime i grew up in the 90s with the dead puck era and if the game was more than 3-2, it was considered a high-scoring game in my life. First of all, what really are the major differences for you in those two eras, and which one do you like better? Well, I mean, I've been watched, like you said, friggin' I'm old, 80s, and then played in the 90s and 2000s, but um, I like this era better. I mean, I'm being honest. It's just the the skill is at such a different level, and and the way to put the puck in the net is so different than back then. And um, here's what I'll say: like, go back in the '80s, and guys, I mean, goalies had Sears catalogs for pads. Like, I mean, honestly, like it was. <laughs> I mean, it was a farce. Like their gear was like awful. Like, and. They didn't even go down. Those guys moved yeah. side to side like this. I mean, it was so funny because, I mean, Kirk that we had on there, there was like, <laughs> he was still one of those last stand-up goalies. And they look like goalies. We used to make fun of them in the 90s. You watch those highlights. They look like goalies from bubble hockey. Uh, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was honestly, like, it was it was bad, you know. Um, now, I think what took place after that is the gear had a lot to do with it. I mean, honestly, like, if, if, if use the forwards. I should have brought my stick, my last stick here. I freaking forgot. I went upstairs. I was going to grab it. I'll bring it we, tomorrow. We talked about it on the I know. Watch we, along that's, last why, time. that's why I was like, oh my yeah. God, I'm going to bring it. I mean, honestly, you look at it, like, I show this to my kids, like, friends, and they die laughing. You know, they're like, whoa. And I'm like, well, you got to be good to use a thing like that. You know what I mean? Like, but it's such a different thing, and it is so much better now. Uh, so I think player gear got so much better uh, forward. You're going to say, well, I got better for goalies, too. And then it got to a point where it was too big, and it was, right? Then all of a sudden, the league went in, and goalies were the ones that paid for it. Like, oh, they brought down the, you know, the size and this and this and that. But the guys got, oh, guys, the players got better, and they still got better and better and better and better and better equipment. So, and then it's a more skilled game. So, therefore, scoring went up. And then it went back down. And, and again, the rule change had a lot to do with it. Uh, the Whatever you call, want to call it, like the uh, more power play opportunities opens the game up, right? I mean, it, there's a big difference. But goalies, I feel, got caught cheating. You know, when I say cheating is because the, the gear was getting so... Uh, Dudes were wearing six XL jerseys. That's what I mean. It was bad. Like, hey, listen, I played with some goalies. I can tell you, like, it was unreal. Like, the amount you do just like adding stuff stuff in their pants and it's like, you know, like, I mean, it's like, and then the league did a good job regulating that. They did, you know what I mean? So, but I think the forwards, we've never really regulated anything. It's more like we make the technology better and better and better. And then just think of it this way: back when I was playing. I'm telling you, if you scored a goal, short side high, whatever it was, that goalie was getting yanked. <laughs> oh, he's not into it tonight. <laughs> Out. Now you see goals all the time. You see players last night. We saw it. Like 
Quinn Hughes tried it three times. Yeah. I mean, they do. And it's a skill play now. And Ranting they put and it hit there. the post. Ranting and hit the post. Like, how many times does Miko score there? <clears throat> it's, it's part of their arsenal. It's a great shot. It's a dangerous shot. There's so many more. They attempt so many more things. Like back then, it was different if you were like, especially like a bottom six, nine, 12. Like, you know, like you weren't attempting to shoot top cookie. You were shooting five hole. And I say it all the time. And then if you miss, they went freaking top shelf. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I meant to do it. But you didn't. You know what I mean? Where now these guys, I don't, they're 18 years old coming in the league and they're picking corners because that's what they know. They're more. Ballsy, risky, whatever you want to call it, than than players were back then. There's a lot more leeway, and guys are so much more talented now. So therefore, they have the advantage on the goalies, and I think that's what you're seeing right now because guys are so good at picking corners and so good with the technology. And then goalies, there's only so much they can do now. I mean, the gear is not getting better. Goaltenders are better. They became better athletes. They became more study position, more like where back then it'd be like, oh, oh, this guy can't play. Let's put him in the net. That's how I grew up, right? That's how goalies became goalies, right? So that's kind of where I stand on why there's, you know, more scoring. And I, I, I think this league is just getting more ballsier and ballsier and ballsier and the Connor Bedards of the world. And they come in and it's like, oh. There are a couple of main topics I want to talk about that could potentially be or are part of the reason that we've seen this scoring. And I want to start with the lockouts. Because you have the 05 lockout in which the immediate following season you saw an uptick in goals that steadily declined back to where the league was pre-lockout up until the next lockout in which you didn't see as much of an immediate jump, but now over the last decade, it has steadily trended in that way. Yeah, Jamie Benn won an Art Ross with, with 87, an 80, yeah, 87, 88 points. Fuck, man. We're in February. Nathan McKinnon has like 92. And he's not even leading the league. Yeah. <laughs> well, different environment. My question is, did the lockouts have a major impact on this? And I have my own theory, but I'll, I'll let you guys go first. I don't, I don't know that the lockouts, the first one, certainly. Yeah. Because when the game came the rules, back, yeah. it was the Wild West <laughs> out there. I mean, it looked like it was 1985. For exactly one and a half yeah. seasons. <laughs> it, it lasted It lasted about 18 months, and yeah. then the NHL kind of returned to normal. Um, the last one, I don't really remember. I don't really remember a drastic change. I think that's Sorry. fair. Yeah, I don't... I'm not sure I, I, would, I would count a lockout as having changed much. Do you... I want to see if I can predict where your brain is going with this. Is it CBA related and contracts and the amount of money to play, pay top players coming out of lockouts that trended in the direction of more money being invested in the highly skilled players that produce a lot? It is not. Okay. Uh, if you want me to go. <laughs> I mean. Because I, I, don't, I don't know that I believe that personally. Because no, totally. even this year, the way in which contracts and you look at like the scoring it's it's pretty spread out obviously there yeah. are guys at the top that are making insane amounts of, of money and the production matches it but i i think there's still a lot of highly skilled like there's just a talent infusion i think in today's nhl that meets the speed and has opened the game up to smaller faster highly skilled players that actually have a place in this league and even depth players like the third and fourth line you want the grinders, but they also have to have a little bit of skill and speed to stay in today's NHL. And you're, this, you're this digging point. towards my point a lot okay. closer. There. Okay. This, yeah. is, this is the real thing that I think has changed in the NHL is um, your fourth line guys are no longer the Jeff Odgers and, and Scott Parkers of the world. You know, guys that were there just to beat people up. We, we talk about how Curtis McDermott looks like a colossal misfit. In the NHL as a whole. Yeah, yeah. In, in this version of the NHL. Ryan Reeves keeps getting jobs, and every time he's on the ice, you're kind of like... You're actively hurting your team. So yeah. the hockey portion of this isn't great. Yep. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the, the big change that has happened across the league is there's a desire for... You've got to be able to play a little bit 
in that bottom six. You know, you you want a Frederick Olofsson that, yeah, he can he can skate well and he's got a little physicality to his game, but every time that guy touches a puck, you're like, we have no idea what's about to happen here. But it's it's better than what Eric was talking about. Some of the guys back in even that 2001 Avs team, you know, no offense, but like Dave Reed was not going <laughs> to overwhelm you with his skill, yeah. you know? And I think that has changed a lot in how rosters are constructed. You, you mentioned the talent infusion, but I also think there's a talent dilution that has taken place. We'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's called expansion. From, yeah, from the Avs' first cup to today, there's yeah. been six franchises added to the league. Yep. That's six teams with bottom pairing defensemen and six teams with goaltenders. Yep. And, you know, and over the course of time, I think we're seeing some of that um, play a role in it. I agree. My my point on the lockout having a potential effect is when you look at the NHL today, roughly a decade removed from the last lockout, you are talking about kids in the league now. The Connor Bedards were eight years old when the lockout rule changes happened. And that is an entire generation, and maybe it's more like the last four or five years that we've really started seeing this, that have played under this new rule set, that have played under this change in the NHL of everyone starting to understand skill, 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 skill. And you've seen the players growing up now understand that they have to be skilled players, that the physical fighting aspect of the game is no longer really a way to make it to the NHL. And, and that's kind of how I see the longer term effect of it, the actual direct lockout itself. The, uh, yeah, I don't know that it really did that much, but the long term spin of younger kids and the way the game is taught the players like Kale McCarr that come up and play a certain way, particularly on the defensive side, call it what's in right now or, or just the way hockey has evolved. That is the one thing I do think I've seen change from the expansions, particularly as you mentioned the NHL recognizing significantly smaller players and their ability to function in the NHL. I, I think al along with that, though, where are those skills coming from? Because it's not like it's just players. It's not like Connor Bedard's just out there on a pond dicking around by himself with his friend or with sure. his friends, and all of a sudden he's just super, super good. You have at all levels, there are skating coaches. There yeah. are <laughs> you know nutritionists. There are... Uh, there's conditioning, drilling down strength, into the micro on every level. Experts, yeah. yeah. You have, and then the the prevalence of skills coaches, individual skills coaches that guys work with all summer. You know, Joey Hishin, a yeah. great example, retired and became a skills coach. And <laughs> good memories for Eric. Apparently, um, <laughs> you know the, the the skills coaches, but also we're, we're talking about goalies are better. Well. When did the Avalanche hire their first full-time goaltender coach? Because it was it was your guy McLean for like how long? He was like a part-time goalie coach that would fly in every few weeks, mm -hmm. hang out with the goalies for a couple of days, and then he was off again. And then the goalies were just on their own. Yep. No. It's it's an investment in the talent across the board. You know, from goaltenders to defensemen to to forwards, you have skills coaches now that are that are. I mean, it was like a thing in the offseason when the Avs moved on from Sean Allaire to Toby Peterson. It was it was an actual story that we talked about of, hey, they changed skills coaches. What, what a way we've come from the goalie coach showing up for a couple of days to our chat asking for Parkila to be fired. Yeah, because he doesn't do enough. There we day. Um, but I agree with you with like the, the lockout. But he, here's where the game changed. The rule changed. Therefore, the game changed, meaning the personnel on every team changed. Because back then, if you had rosters that are built like today, you wouldn't have gone far. You wouldn't have won anything because it was a different game. You know what I mean? And now it, with the rule changes, and, and you're right, the Logan O'Connors of the world, like this is the point I want to make is they've grown up playing hockey this way. So when you get a dinosaur like myself, you know what I mean? Like that's been in both, meaning, you know, in their lifetime. I see hits out there and I'm like, man, I find that inconceivable 
that the guy didn't protect himself. Like I, I, I it just doesn't cross my mind. I, I, it just like, sorry, crosses my mind that I can't believe they don't think about that. Yeah. And, and I always make that comment, and it makes you sound like Neanderthal or whatever it is, but it's not because this is the way we were taught, and and it's so different now because the Logan O'Connors of the world, they've played hockey this way their whole lives, and there's nothing. So the thought process of me saying, like, I can't believe the guy didn't protect himself. You know, I'm wrong when I say that because <laughs> it is just the way the game's played now. And this is where, you know, the the transition's been, and it's been years now, but it's just hard because you're like, this is why the personnel are made. Uh, this <laughs> Little guys back then were just as good. It's just that you couldn't have that many, right? You had one, even Martin St. Louis, and you know what I mean? And, and the rest were... Dave Reed's and you know the guys like that. I wouldn't have played in the NHL today, but I did back then. My brother was so much better than me, small skill guy, but not skilled enough to be better than Steve Eiserman and Joe Sackick. And you know where I made a career because I was a bigger guy, and then I made room for my brothers, and I was good at water skiing between the two blue lines, right? Because that's that was an art back then, <laughs> right? It was. And now this game, the little guy, you know, has a better chance now to. Right? I mean, it's all relative to, you're right, the lockout, which led to different rules, which led to a more open skill, which led to kids learning and being better. And, and you're right, athletes nowadays is a 24 hours a day, 12 month a year job. We're back then. We can have a pod one day if you want. And I'm not that old, but I'm older. On training camp stories, I mean, you would piss yourself like you would die. <laughs> You know, when nowadays it doesn't exist. It's 24 hours a day, 12 months a year. Guys show up in shape, you know. Yeah. We showed up to training camp to get in shape. It's a big difference, you know. You've worked you've worked in modern NHL front offices and know that when you're scouting a player, you now care. How much does this guy like hockey? 100%. How much how much how dedicated is this guy to the game? And the way that the way that the perception of being dedicated to the game has changed from when you were a player to today is pretty drastic. It is drastic, and it's and now technology, even in scouting and front office, like every team uses RinkNet. You know, besides a couple things, it's all written in there. It's all in there. Everything's in there on their personal. Like AJ likes his grilled cheese with you know. Mm-hmm. No pickles. I am I'm under attack. I'm just telling you. It's, <laughs> I'm just saying it's all in there because people's tendencies, the way they, who they train with in the summers because their uncles, brothers, sisters, nephew train with them. And telling you, information overload is there. It's part of it. And, you know, like the, that's part of being an athlete nowadays in, in this sport, especially. But you're bang on. Things have changed so much. Even like the last five years. And then even, you know, go back in five-year increments. It's crazy. From to the lockout, you know. I think Luke Hughes is a player that has captured this really well in conversations lately as a skilled young defender who doesn't seem to know how to protect himself necessarily. And I'm not going to attribute to that to the NCAA route either, specifically, because you know, there's contact in, in that league as well. But I thought it was interesting when in the all city round table PHL wise, Charlie O'Connor talked about torts and his approach to the way in which the game has changed because he's as old school as they come. And he described the NHL as a league of mistakes now. And as a coach, he is to let his players take risks in order to thrive in, in this league. And I think that is something that even Bednar reiterated um, when he talked about the uptick in scoring that even the way the game is coached has changed to accommodate some of the risks that come with the highly skilled players. And I think there is some reconciliation that's happening between the old way of doing things and the new. And yep. Luke Hughes is learning that on the fly. Painfully on the fly. Painfully. <laughs> well, and, and you see the way that physicality is, has changed. You know, Eric is talking about some of these guys don't know how to protect themselves. We saw, what, two games ago, Josh Manson had a guy lined up in the neutral yep. zone. Eric and I were like, Josh Manson Crushed could, that guy, could yeah. have killed that guy he i don't remember who it was i don't even remember what game it was but i remember we had talked about it when it happened where my heart he stopped. has him lined up he steps into him and then josh manson lets off the gas because if he doesn't if you don't hit a guy just right that's you're five games you're talking <laughs> about a suspension you're oh, talking yeah. about a fine it's a whole thing that uh, nowadays you have to be 
And this is, I think it's a good thing. I, I agree. I, I think the lack of physicality uh, today versus when you, when you played Eric, it's disappointing because the hitting was a big part of the selling point of like the speed, the skill is great, but also look at the war that these guys go through. But mm-hmm. it's safer because a lot of that hitting came at the expense of headshots. Joey Hishin. Exactly. And... You talk about not not protecting yourself. Uh, Joey Hishin's a good example because not didn't really protect himself. Yep, he's a small guy that was leaning forward in the neutral zone and Braden McNabb. Yeah, and Braden McNabb steps into him, and Braden McNabb doesn't particularly do anything egregiously dirty on the play, as he has done for what has become his entire NHL career. But you have to be careful about that, and guys have to pick their spots a lot more carefully because there are repercussions there. And Josh, I thought Josh Manson the other day was a good example because we were talking about that when it happened. Josh Manson could have really blown whoever that was up, yep. and he didn't. And we were also talking about there is a responsibility, as we've seen with Luke Hughes this year. There's a responsibility with the players with the puck themselves to protect themselves a little bit we were really upset when gabe landiscott got suspended for hitting kirby doc because kirby doc is on one knee fully extended out and gabe landiscott hits him like he's standing up hits him like normal and it all happens within a second of each other and it's gabe landiscott's fault even though kirby doc put himself in an extremely vulnerable position Actively playing the puck and actively playing the and it was and it was frustrating <laughs> that's, because that's my point. Yeah, right. It, it was frust. It's and it's still frustrating because you see guys like that leave themselves very vulnerable to, in, in very vulnerable spots, but they're playing the puck, and wow. so it's the balance of uh, it's the balance of okay, how can I hit this guy in a legal manner that will not get me thrown out of a game and suspended later. But he has the puck. I can't just because he has the puck. I can't just I, yeah, gotta, let him go. Gotta play him. Yeah. Like you, you have to play the puck. You have to play the man. You have to play defense. Yep. And it is that change. I think in in that approach wholesale. Players have have not had to learn how to protect themselves at all levels. And on the other side of it, players have had to learn to pick their spots better. Yep. They can't just, just just be stepping into anybody, yep. flaring elbows and jumping into guys like Nicholas Cronwall used to. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, and what else is long, those days are long gone. Like when I was playing, like I remember starting and I remember getting hit a couple times. I remember Pavel Burry one time, like buddy, this guy was a Mack truck. I don't care that he was a Russian rocket. I, I made a pass. I'm not even looking. It's been at least three seconds, and then all of a sudden, ba ba boom, <laughs> and you're just like on your ass, and then your helmet, and you're putting it on back where you know you don't even know where you're at, and then you get the referee skating by, like, "Hey, welcome to the league." <laughs> all right, there's a lesson. Don't watch your pass, right? And you're like, "What?" Like, but that's what it was, and it's so different now. And then, but I still believe that when you're talking about development and all those, and I know for a fact a lot of teams have talked about that, especially since last year, you know, because the skill is so high and it's always about skill, 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 you know. Well, there's still a mental aspect of the game, you know what I mean? Like you have to be able to deal with your ups and downs, and it's so important. And, and then also how to defend yourself. Because some people, like I said, they're they're just been raised and brought into this world post-lockout that they didn't have to. And then all of a sudden you get to the best level in the world. It's fast. It's highly skilled. um, It's competitive. It's still a contact sport. You have to be able to defend yourself a little bit. When I say defend, protect yourself. And I'll go back to Luke Hughes. Here's what I'll say. We can have a pot about that one day, too, is way more hitting in college hockey than junior hockey just so you know it's not even close in my book so i think it's more about you as an individual like a lot of times it's like oh i'm not gonna get hit you know because i'm better and you know i can once you get to the top guys are better guys are good guys know how to hit there's still an art to hitting i think kale mccarr is probably one of the best hitters in in the avalanche for me you know i mean there's an art there's a certain way you can hit guys. You know, Tom Wilson, I mean, I'm sorry, but you better know what you're doing because he's going to freaking... Nikita Zadorov like Nikita that, too. Nikita Zadorov, great hitter. I mean, so, again, I do believe that you can t- 
teach your your younger players that a little bit of assertiveness a little bit of like hey like it's not a popcorn like eating contest at the movies it's it's still a physical contact sport and there's a lot of contact you know what i mean the to kind of put a bow on this i think all of these things have contributed to where the scoring environment has gotten to in the nhl sure the the lack of players having to worry constantly that they're going to get their head rammed rammed into the glass you know they're going to have a, a paul career eric lindros type of moment in open ice means that you do have you you are leaning into more skill you Teams go through the neutral zone with speed, with the puck. Not everything is dump and chase. Go grind it out, and then let's try to let's try to bang home a puck off our forecheck. It's not that for 60 minutes. There's a lot more. There are teams out there, and we watch one of them every day, yep. that want to live with speed in the neutral zone and play in transition like that. And that, I think, has had a, all of these things are, you know, paper cuts right that that lead up to goaltending kind of cratering over the last few years to hear nikita zadorov take ownership of a bad hit and just eat the two-game suspension for his yep. hit on lucas raymond i think affirms the conversation that there is an art to that style of play yep. players like zadorov really toe that line very well and can also take ownership when they miss the mark and it wasn't conducted the way they even would have liked for it to happen. Here's what I'll say, too. And it was way slower back then than it is now. Yep. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. Once you've committed to the hit, it's a, it's an instant. It's a fraction of a second sometimes. And things happen. A guy turns. You really you know, you know you're not supposed to hit the guy from behind. But, the, you know, circumstances leaded that within... A third of a second, you're you're committed to it. The guy turns, and then the numbers are there, and it's like, oh my god, you didn't mean to hit him, but you absolutely killed him. You know what I mean? And that, and that's unfortunately like things like that happen. You know what I mean? And I think you still see that you know so, what I mean, in the league. The rise of replay and the <laughs> yeah. we we can it's it's so easy. on the microscopic level. It's it crazy. is so easy to assign an t intent when you go frame by frame, and oh you're my like, God, he sees him the whole way. Really? Look at, look yeah. at that elbow go out like that, and you're just like, because when you watch it in real time, it's a quarter of a second. The entire thing happens, and you're like. Come on. And well, and, and sometimes two human bodies hit each other and it's just a train wreck. Like, yeah, you don't is. have control of yeah. your arms in that millisecond. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You look at Miles Wood and friggin' Roz the Boss in the corner yesterday. See? Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. That was a chaotic, like. <laughs> nice hit by Ross. <laughs> so, would you guys say that the NHL has chilled out about the hits? <laughs> would you say that their mountains are blue? Yes. <laughs> I absolutely would, Bruno. <laughs> Wherever could this be going? <laughs> wow, I was going to fall for it. When you're watching wow. someone get blown up in the neutral zone, make sure you got a Coors Light in your hand. Jesus. Make sure you're chilling with Coors Light. You oh, loved it, Eric. I know you know. I was going to freaking bite. I was biting. I was going to give you an answer <laughs> until he was sarcastic. You don't even have to go out and pick up the Coors Light yourself. You can get it delivered to your house with Instacart when you go to CoorsLight.com slash DNVR today to get your beer in hand without even leaving your house. Without, I mean, I guess you have to get up off the couch. You do have to go to the front door and get it. But, you know, pretty close to not even having to leave your couch. So go over to CoorsLight.com slash DNVR today. Get your beer on. Uh, obviously, Coors is awesome. We, we appreciate them a ton. Uh, I know people will think I'm crazy, but I have actually always liked Coors Light. Uh, it's super easy beer to drink, so... Go jump in with it with Coors Light. Get their blue mountain cans or bottles. They're both, they both have the mountains on them. I always forget that. Uh, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Again, CoorsLight.com slash DNVR. Let them know we sent you over there if you're picking up some beer. And then hit up Bet365 as well. Uh, you can bet on some of the high-scoring options in the NHL when it comes to Bet365. When you put in $5 and use code DNVR365, you can get $150 in bonus bets when you bet 5 bucks on any NHL game on which you can jump in and bet on whatever you want. It's $150 free to play with. Well, not free. You have to put in $5. 
but basically free. Uh, do it with Bet365. Use that DNVR365 code. You can download the app with that QR code on screen right there. Uh, of course, you can also gamble on whatever you're fancy. Basketball, baseball, football. Can you, I bet you can bet on spring training even. Darts. Darts. <laughs> I always love Cigarettes? darts. Mm-hmm. Oh. I've lost some money on cricket, rugby, and darts, which is when I decided that I needed to have an internal conversation. Uh... Cricket's a tough one. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough sell for me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When you start losing money on a sport that you don't understand, <laughs> like the basic rules of, <laughs> You're, you might be in You trouble. need to walk away. Whatever it is, make sure you do with Bet365. Of course, you must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. And if you or someone that you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Megan mentioned it earlier. We do have Jared Bednar's thoughts on the uptick in scoring in the NHL. For a goal of games, like as a coach, how do you? Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it. I think it's exciting. I think. Um, I think you're seeing the the talent and ability of players. Um, you know, especially certain guys specific guys and, and their ability to do it on a nightly basis and I mean, if you're not sharp they'll, they'll make you pay for it on any little mistake this is like the talent is overwhelming in the league the speed of the game um yeah it's it, the game's changing but it's i think it, it makes it super exciting to kind of echo off what he said do you gauge goalies differently given all the scoring i mean it's like the t- it's like I think, percentage kind of this i think you 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 gauge them compared to the rest of the league Right, same. That, that's that's what you have to do. Because I mean, it is different. I think you gotta. And we have a, a like numerous different goalie analytics that we look at and whatnot, but and different situations that we're studying goaltenders in, and whether it's off the rush in zone, off a lateral pass, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, trying to find goalies' weaknesses and and um, strengthen our own goaltenders in, in that regard. So. But I think it's like anything else compared to the rest of the league. So Bednar, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> Bednar finished his thoughts and Megan spiked her phone out of anger. Uh, Stop ben- talking, Bedsy. Bednar saying he likes it. He doesn't mind the higher scoring NHL. I'm curious how you guys feel about it because personally, there's a there's a part of me that enjoys the dead puck air that misses a little bit of it being a 3-2 every single night. The problem with the dead puck era is that it wasn't 3-2 every night. There were way too many 2-1s. There were way too many New Jersey Devils trying to win it and, and, the way that they were winning and, it. Although, I will say, fun thing that people forget, that 2000-2001 Devils team that, that lost to the Avs in seven games was the highest-scoring team, high yeah. high team in the NHL. It's the highest-scoring team in the NHL that year. So for as much as much as we give them flack for how they win the games, and I immediately just brought it up, that it was a little bit of a misconception. And, and, but but I, I don't miss that. But also, <laughs> walking out of this bar last night, Eric, I, Eric and I were talking as we were leaving, and both of us were like, "This is a fun game. Oh, yeah. yep. Last night's game. It was nice to Low see. Low scoring can absolutely a, be fun. A tighter yeah. checking. It was. It was the rare. It, it was the really rare, like high pace, low event hockey game, which is like the best of both worlds." Where you do do see a tighter checking, you know, you get into a goaltending duel, but both teams are at least moving well. It's not entirely a slog. The whole game just doesn't feel like both teams are in mud. Yeah, it, Megan, your take on it maybe a bit more modern as your focus on hockey comes mostly after the most recent lockout. How do you view this steady change in the NHL as a good thing? To some extent, yes. I had my heart broken by some high-scoring games <laughs> because of the era of Avs hockey I had a front row view of. But Too soon. <laughs> I think that the rise in scoring is accompanied by a rise in speed and that emphasis on skill that we've talk- talked about. But also coupled with this is good intentions around player safety. It is not where we'd like it to be. It's still so wildly inconsistent. But I think that is what has helped to better protect some of the players in today's game to allow for those small, highly skilled players that create some of those fun goals that we love to see. And to that end, too, I think some of the exciting saves that we see goaltenders make, like watching Gurgiev behind the back last night, yep. comes with an emphasis on mobility and agility, that rise in athleticism that Eric talked about in today's goaltenders that is now just absolutely necessary because they have to meet then the shooter's speed. 
And all of that then I think is fun. Um, that being said, I also enjoyed last night's game because each goal, every team, each team really had to work for it. And I enjoy that aspect of hockey where nothing really comes easy. And so I love to see the speed increase. I think that makes the pace of the game more fun. And it's why the abs are so fun to watch every night because of even how they execute defensively. A lot of their offense runs through their back end. And I think that's also a trend in today's defensemen coming up through the game, how they're taught to play. And I think all of that's really fun. The to to build off the point you mentioned about how teams are built. It's a copycat league. Yeah, true. We say this every time a team wins a championship. How did the Avalanche build their blue line when they won the Stanley Cup? They, they didn't they build hit the it. turbo button. <laughs> they didn't build it by going out and getting six Eric Goodbransons. Right? Yep. It was Kale McCarr and and then who was Kale McCarr stapled to? Stevon Taves, an extremely smart player, but one who's a jack of all trades type. Then they have Sam Gerard, who unfortunately doesn't get to play that whole run, yeah. but he's part of it for a little bit. They have Bowen Byram, mobility, you know, and then they find a couple of guys, Jack Johnson, Josh Manson, that fit, that kind of fit in with some of the weaknesses that, that do a little bit of what they needed. And Eric Johnson at the time, you know, he was declining, but. He was still mobile enough. He still had a very mobile defense. Yeah, and and they had enough size. It wasn't like a really big blue line, but it was a blue line that could do everything. Look at last year with Vegas. I know there have been some people that have talked about the size of that blue line, but I don't think that's the hallmark of what that blue line did well. They had guys who have puck skill. You just can't live off of bruisers on your back end anymore. You don't. You, you can't do that. Tampa Bay's two championships. They have a Victor Hedman as their horse. The year before when they got swept by Columbus, Victor Hedman was hurt that entire series, like badly, badly hurt, played through it. They get swept. Yep. Yes, it helps having Ryan McDonough and Eric Chernak and uh, Mikhail Sergachev as bigger physical guys, but you needed guys. Mikhail Sergachev's part of his value. He, can, he has puck skill. Sometimes you don't know where the puck is going, but there's puck skill. It's not just physicality anymore. When you build from the back end, you have to build with skill. The abs take it, I think, to an extreme because they're pretty reliably the highest scoring defense in the league every year. But that's not all the defensemen. Some of that is how they play. Jack Johnson has like 11 points. 12, yeah. 12 points now. Oh, I forgot he got the yeah, yeah he got the second one. And, um Josh Manson has like 18 this year with the possibility to, you know, get into the 25 range by the end of the season. So you are, you are talking like there's puck skill on that back end. And it's not that puck skill was never a thing that teams valued, but it always, and Eric, you could probably speak to this way better than I can. Teams wanted bruisers back there. They wanted physically punishing defenses. And puck skill was like, you wanted one Sandus Ozelinch. And then all the other guys were just like, just take care of the back end. It's, for me, it's, it's two things. You mentioned it with Taves, with the intelligence and mobility. And you combine that with a system structure in the NHL that for defenses I think is a little bit looser than it used to be. You mentioned New Jersey in the the dead puck era. A 1-3-1 one, one trap is an extremely rigid structure. It's yeah. something that everyone has to stick to their positions and do things effectively. The Avs defense is all defensemen from Jack Johnson up. If you see a play where you can get into it, go. Jump in, do whatever, do what you feel is the, the best play to make. And every defenseman in the league you've seen to make a shift towards, hey, if you can get up and help the rush, do it. For the record, the last team to really make a dedicated, concerted effort to play a 1-3-1 one, one against the Avs was L.A. right before the All-Star break. And the Avs ripped it to pieces yep. and blew them off the ice that night. So that didn't go great. And Todd McClellan got fired. And so... I, I would the, also the one the one three one is a thing that I think teams do against the Avs because they've got no answers. Yep. They they don't look at how they normally play every night and say we can handle that. We just need to make some tweaks. We need to play our game. We can handle it. I think a one three one specifically is something that you do against the Avs because you say 
we can't handle this. We can't handle what they want to do, so we need to force them into something else. And the Avs showed up that night and said, bet. And, 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 and smoked them that night. I'm also curious on Eric's take on the Bruisers because of someone like Josh Manson, who we've seen come into Colorado, and at his best, he has at times been able to make the step from crusher to rusher without becoming an usher. Yeah. <laughs> but he's already, he's, he's gotten 40 points one year. So, I mean, look back. He's pretty yeah. close. I'm going to say 38 it, to 42. It's not his first rodeo offensively. Buddy, yeah. this guy can, I mean, I've seen him put up numbers. So, but here's my take on skill versus brawn. Like, you know, where back then you had on the back end more brawn. And like you said, one Sandy Sosa Lynch, you know, where the funniest thing was Ozo, if I can talk about it for a second, if we were leading, he didn't play. I swear to God, like he did not play. We're up four two. He wouldn't have a shift in the third period. He'd have his skates on done on the bench, and he'd be like, "Yeah, it's all good." <laughs> but whoop would be down by a goal. Like he wouldn't leave the ice. Like so, when you're a good team, you're always leading. Like he didn't play a lot. <laughs> Played a lot in the first half of a game, but it's crazy. But it's a little different now. But I'll, here's what I'll say now: on nowadays, today's generation of 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 winning championships is. It's still a heavy league at time, and we saw it last year. So you have to have a happy medium. If you have all skilled, feather, light players, you're not going anywhere. It's not going to work. It's not going to. And we saw it last year. What did the Avs do? What did Tampa do the last few years? You're talking about copycat league. You go get the Brendan Hagels. You go get the Barclay Goudreaux. You go get the uh, the Avs, Woody Woodpecker, and 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 Ross the Boss, and. You need a little bit of snarl. You need a little bit of, but these guys have to be able to play as well. And that's the difference. You, from your bottom of the lineup, there's more skill because they've been raised in skill since the lockout and everything. So guys are, even guys that score five, six, seven goals a year, like you go back, those guys were putting up numbers in juniors. You know, they just figured out a way how to stay in the lineup and how to make a nest and a foundation to help a team. But you have to have a little bit of heaviness. And we all know the Avs lacked some last year. Use, uh, you know, I'm having a blank right now. Little right shot guys. What's Dennis a, Mulgan. I, you're not going to win with that. I'm sorry. No offense to him. It's just, it's, you're not going to win. There was you, just a lot of it. That's what I'm saying. So you might score 15, 20 goals. Awesome. Great. Well, playoff time. When the, all the marbles are on the table, you're not winning. And that's not being near end of the whole, like whatever you want to call that. Like yeah. old, old school. Like you, this is still a heavy league. We talked about this last season as it was happening. Dennis Morgan is a guy perfectly suited to get you through 82 games. But when it comes to trying to get you through the last 16 wins, that's it's a guy that if he's the hard. only one, maybe. When you have a bunch, not a chance. Yeah, but but when the Avs were lacking the the heaviness that they had out of out of a Miles Wood or Ross Colton, that's why when they went and got those guys, it was like this makes sense. This is an easy thing. And then they supplement some of that with Jonathan Druin. Yeah. Who has, is, he an, is, is he ever going to be considered a heavy player? No. But I just posted it on Twitter today. He is very bizarrely turned into <laughs> quite a good defensive guy as a forward. You yep. can teach him how to play the game a little differently. They've got to be dedicated to it. But you're never going to confuse him with a heavy player. But you, you don't need him to be. Because around him, I, in an ideal world, you have an Arturi Lekadin. You have a Val Nachushkin. You have habits. a Miles Wood. You put it all together. And we've, we've talked in the past. Are you, are you winning a championship with six Sam Gerrards? No. Nope. Are you winning a championship with six Josh Mansons? Nope. Also, no. It, I was just going to say, there's a reason why Matthias Ekholm alone didn't save Edmonton's correct. It's the complete picture. It's not that Ekholm isn't a valuable piece. It just wasn't a solution in the complete picture for Edmonton. Yep. And speaking of, of Ekholm, what has changed this year with Edmonton's defense? It's the step up from Evan Bouchard into, into an all-around player. Now and the dude so scores now, goals and gets dunked on regularly. It's now no longer <laughs> Matthias Ekholm is here to save us. It's Matthias Ekholm and Evan Bouchard has turned into a true blue top pairing in the NHL. Yep. Okay, that's a huge problem for everybody else that's trying to beat them in a best of seven. I, I, I think it's important to drill down a little bit on when we're talking about playing a heavy game. Take a Val Nichushkin, take an Arturi Lekin, and it's not the Nikita Zadorov, I'm going to blow you up on a hit at some yeah. point in this game. It's the, 
There's five minutes left in the third period. Valentushin comes over the bench and comes into the corner, and the other team is looking like, I got to battle this guy again. Well, and and it's, it's not – it's the combination that is happening, but who is the guy that is, I am having to battle him again? Because teams are now moving into, we need the puck skill. Yep. So it's guys who don't excel – in those situations, it's Tyson and, yep. Berry types. Yep. It's uh, it's smaller offensive defensemen. We saw we we have seen what I think is interesting with how Columbus is trying to build their defense. They have they went all in. They were like, "Hey, we've got Zach Wierenski. Now we're going to go get Ivan Provorov. We're going to get Damon Severson. We just drafted David Yerichek. We uh, we have Adam Polkvist. And then oh yeah, we also have Jake Bean just hanging around. <laughs> how have those results gone? <laughs> You can't do that. You need to be. You need to add in some snarl. There has to be yep. sandpaper on your defense. As much as I personally love, love an offensive defenseman that can skate fast and do cool shit with the puck. There is a reason Stephen Elliott did not make it in this league. Yep. <laughs> you have to be able to do some other things, unless you are an overwhelming offensive player, a la Eric Carlson. Yep. Yeah. And even he was half decent defensively yeah. once upon a time. In yeah. his prime, the guy could defend a little bit. Yeah. It always gets overlooked some before his ankle. But to go back shattered. to Val, like uh, honestly, Val plays a heavy game. That's what I mean. Yeah. He, he's a heavy man. Like he plays a heavy game. I don't think he's ever hit a guy in his life. Honestly, <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, I'm just that, being honest. No, that's like, my point. Yeah. I mean, he's not a hitter. Not at all. Nikita Zadorov's a hitter. Val Nikushkin's not a hitter. Like he's just it's a heavy game. You go at the face off your D. You're like, oh god, not this. Big mutant, like God, <laughs> like you know what I mean, like honestly. Yeah. And then I mean the combination uh, of things. Same is, thing. Same he's thing. got great speed. Yeah, he will get on you in a in a yeah. in a heartbeat. He's got the wingspan of a freaking pterodactyl. <laughs> you know, like and there's there's just a relentlessness to how he is hard on pucks. And he embodies yeah. hard on pucks. I'm not talking about fighting, and you know that's yeah. what I mean. Like when oh I'm not. Preaching violence. I'm saying, but you got to be hard to play against. It is a heavy league. Lekkonen plays a heavy game, even though he's not a heavy guy. But you know how to face off. You're right next to him. You're like, yeah, oh, not this pain in the ass again. You know what I mean? Like because you know he'll whack you on the on the laces right there. He won't let you get to a free open space. You know where there's guys. It's honestly, it's a picnic to play against, and, and that's the problem. <clears throat> if you have too many, Miko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have too many guys that are, you know, like you're going on a picnic, like. It's tough. Like it's it's tough to win with that. Well, look, when it comes to watching the Avs, you want to feel more like you're playing against Miko than you're playing against Val. So get yourself Fubo TV. Go to fubotv.com slash DNVR. Get fifteen percent off your first month of Fubo Pro. <laughs> yeah, you know, Miko to rip a couple goals behind you after that. There but. have been better transitions, but I'll take it. <laughs> Uh, I, I needed to come up with someone else, but then I'd say like Tyson Jost and people would get mad at me. It'd be a whole thing. Uh, FuboTV.com slash TNVR. He's Tyson Ghost now. Mm, uh, over 140 live channels, it's including. Just in the American League. <laughs> <laughs> it hurt to say. I'm so sorry, Tyson. I'm so sorry. <laughs> News, movies, television shows, most importantly, both your abs and nuggets, and even the Rockies, you can get on FuboTV. So get with them. Sign up today. Make sure you use that DNVR code to get 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. And it comes with 1,000 hours of DVR. So you can record whatever it is you want to watch with Fubo. And then hit up American Financing. American Financing, if you're looking to save a little bit of money, they can save you up to $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. That adds up to over $10,000 a year at $850 a month. Uh, right now, you have mortgage rates that are in the fives, super duper low, especially compared to the average credit card rate, which is super high right now. Uh, all American Financing is trying to do is to save you money, and they may even be able to close your loan in as fast as 10 days. So get with them today. Call American Financing, and you may be able to delay your next two mortgage payments. Call today with VDNVR on the, on the docket. Yeah, sure. Let them know DNVR sent you. How about that? At 303-695-7000 or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. Again, that's 303-695-7000, NMLS 182-334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Uh, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Is your phone okay? It is. I'm so relieved. Oh, good. It's not broken? <laughs> it's right. not broken. AJ mentioned this earlier in the show, but expansion in the NHL's effect on this. 
And what I really wanted to focus on in this segment, yes, obviously there is the spreading out of talent, the thinning of particularly depth in organizations. But you look at 2001 with Columbus and Minnesota, didn't really have that much of an effect because expansion rules were garbage and created garbage hockey teams. Watch what you say. But you look at Vegas, you look at Seattle, you look at these new rules where teams are losing legitimately talented NHL players, potentially top six, top four defensemen guys. I mean, if Jordan Eberle had been drafted by Atlanta or <laughs> Minnesota or Nashville, any of those, any of those or, or Columbus, he would have been the best player on any of those teams. Yep. The like by far he would have been the best player drafted in the expansion draft on any of those like Jordan Eberle just being like yeah he was like one of the guys for <laughs> Seattle like Jonathan Marchessault is awesome <laughs> and when he was given away by Florida as part yeah. of the expansion draft it was like Marchessault and Riley Smith what the hell are you doing well to, to further like make your point stronger that's why i said watch what you're saying when you said it was what you say garbage the yeah the expansion, expansion rules, rules in the early 2000s were garbage watch what you're saying you created horrible hockey watch teams. what you're saying were you protected in those yeah that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> i was having listen i was having go look it up i was having horrific not horrible horrific <sighs> seasons and I was still protected. So they had to go below me like to get players. That's how bad it was. So you're right. It was garbage. So the guys that were selected were atrocious. Like, like West Walls. I, I, I wouldn't even say that the players that were selected were atrocious. Well, but you rule, draft a yeah. bunch of fourth-line guys yeah. and then put them on a first line. Well, because there's nobody how's, else. You know how I mean, that's that's what go. I'm saying. Yeah. There's nobody else. But even even that is like being nice. Some guys were not fourth liners. They were like not NHL players. Yeah, they just were not. Yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. I thought I was, <laughs> I was all excited. Didn't think I was going to get protected. And I'm like, oh, I have a shot of going to Columbus or Nashville. So eh, protected It's like what? With these new rules, first of all, do you think they've had a significant effect on the scoring in the NHL? Because alongside the oh. goaltending drop. Naturally, there have been more goals, nearly a full goal per game more than it was a decade ago. Does the, has this expansion had an effect? And at what point does the dilution of talent become too much? It might be there. Okay. Because we're talking, I mean, there's been all this talk about Salt Lake City. Yeah. You know, maybe another round of expansion coming up. Does anybody want that? Is anybody in the NHL, is anybody not in Salt Lake City right now? Hankering for more NHL teams. Yes. Yes, all the players and all the owners. Because it creates jobs and it's a lot I can understand a shit ton of money. Riley Tufty is amped about <laughs> another round of expansion. Buddy, the PA the NHL, is baby. Amped. Like guys the like PA that is amped. Why guys like that you? have it. But I mean the people who are spending money on the game. No, 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 no. I get that. I just but you're asking me who? But like owners, the, they want it the owners, they split. It's the, almost a billion dollars is going to be for a fee. Yeah, the owners I mean, want the nuts. expansion fee, but then all of their revenue sharing, they also have to share that now with extra teams. So it's a one time, it's a nice little cash hit on day one. Yeah, but if your After franchise that, operates the right way, then it's, it, it is makes it, money. You yeah, know, if but. it operates the right way, you you moved a team to Arizona, which has badly struggled. Yeah. You you created a team in Atlanta, which was nothing short of a train wreck for its yeah. entire existence, and had to move to Winnipeg. <laughs> in an <laughs> AHL rink. They play in an AHL rink. And are our magnitudes more successful than the Thrashers ever were? That's not what you want either. And no. so it's you have to do it the right way. Is there confidence that it's going to be done the right way? Both Vegas and Seattle have been big time successes. They got the they got the arenas right. They engage the fan base. I think a lot of that has to do with an expansion draft that provides players that people want to show up for. Yeah. But, to but you have to get it right, and no. so I, are you going to get? Are you going to comfortably get to thirty-three or thirty-four more teams? Thirty-six. It's gone. I think you can get to thirty-six, but I don't think you can it's do going it to 36. right now. You need the league to stabilize a little bit. Yeah, but it will be at thirty-six before you know it. Lineups. It will be. How how do you how soon do you think it'll be at thirty-six? 
I asked. High school within four years, it's at 36. Whoa, no way. Yes, it is. Not a chance. It's it, at 32 it, right now. I don't think it'll be It's going to go two years from now, 34, and then 36. I don't. Yeah. If Man. we're at 34, but for 20, hey, 30, hey, and, and to answer your question, shocked. does it dilute the time? It does. I mean, somewhere, somehow it does, right? You know, there's. But then again, who wants it? Well, that's 64 jobs per team, 66, right? 23 in the American League, 23, and, mm -hmm. you know, it does create coaching, you know. Uh, but. Also, there's more people playing hockey too. You know what I mean? So there are. you're you're picking from a bigger pool of players from back then. But I still think that the bigger pool is not as strong as you're actually diluting the product of the NHL because the players aren't as good as when there was 26 teams. 20. I mean, forget about the original six because that's so ancient. But I you're do gonna, believe you're. You're going to add four more first-line centers that don't belong on first lines? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you I agree with I, it. I'm just saying. I'm I think, saying that's I where think, they're going. I think we're there. I don't, it definitely won't be within four years. Oh, yeah. But I'm just, I, I wonder because I remember baseball's plan for expansion was we want to get to 32. They're still at 30. Yeah. Now their expansion is on its way. Their goal is 2030. Yeah, baseball's different. It takes time. Baseball teams are also large. Yeah, I mean, you need you, it's not just a baseball team. You need a you need a three minor you league need teams. Four minor league teams. You need staff for all those teams. Yeah, you have you have a lot of work to do. You need spring training sites and Yeah. Megan, NHL expansion, is it having a significant impact on the scoring? Um I I think to some extent it is. It, it's created more parity around the league, more balance among the teams. Um, and I, I think then the skill that is alongside a lot of today's players helps. Um, and similarly, just part of the earlier conversation, the rise in technology and analytics has, I think, allowed shooters to improve, goaltenders yeah. to improve, um, and really hone in on the details of development and getting better. And so I think that we're going to see prospects develop better than we have before as well. And I think that makes their viability in the NHL more likely to stick from this point on. I like that there's more teams because now I can tell people, my friends, my kids, my kids' friends, that I was actually a fourth-round pick. You know? <laughs> Don't kid yourself. We had this conversation the other day. I <laughs> yeah, know you reminded me. Talking like, about He's Stefan right. Yell got traded for an 11th, what was at the time? Well, Yeller was pick. an 11th round pick. And it would be nowadays <laughs> that 11th round pick would be like, like a fifth. You know? Yeah, it was like a fifth rounder. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I tell people I'm like, I was a fourth rounder. <laughs> Feeling good about myself. Okay. You could also tell all those kids that they're going to get drafted because there's going to be a bunch more teams and a bunch more draft slots, <clears> and you could be that guy. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on. We're going to run a little bit long here, so we can be brief here. But we had this conversation a little bit off air the other day. I think it was kind of alongside of expansion. There's extra goaltender positions available in the NHL. And it's felt like a couple of years now where the next crop of NHL goaltenders hasn't really arrived. You're still waiting for the Spencer Knights of the world. You're still waiting for the Askarovs of the world to take jobs and, and move into that next era of goaltending. Is it coming? Or are we living a, a world where those next great goaltenders just are never going to show up? I, so you have you mentioned Spencer Knight, but you also have Yaroslav Askarov, but you also have Sebastian Kosa. You have Jesper Wallstead. Those are all like highly touted guys that are all right there. They're very, very, very close. And in the case of Knight was there and then wasn't you know was kind of taking a step back and you wonder but the guy not on that list that is there is jake ottinger he's there he's starting for for the team that looks like it wants to win the west this year let's True. go terriers like i i i think that generation is it's very that whole generation is very very close to breaking through I agree. Decord gets his chance in yeah, Seattle this sure. year. I think that Dostal in um, Anaheim That's the guy and forgot. Dustin Wolf, Calgary, yep. it's like, it's coming. Um, I think it's a little harder in Calgary specifically for Wolf. <laughs> for sure. Um, but That's a tough spot to be I in. I do think that they are on the brink, like AJ okay. is saying. Back then, it was all French guys because of Patty Wild, Marty Brother. Remember that? It was crazy. Yep. Every freaking goalie in the NHL was French, like from Quebec. 
Yep. And then it became like all Finns, big Finns. Yep. You know what I mean? Then now there's mm-hmm. a bunch of Russians, yep. right? You know, I just feel right now it's a all ham Russians sandwich. and Americans. The goaltending position I just feel is American. I, I, I was going to say now I feel it's more ham sandwich with, you know, the Americans being at the top, which I think is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I just I think it's great. You know? Yep. Because you you do an Olympic roster right now, and you're looking at Team Canada, and you're like. Back then, it was so easy. It was like, oh, yeah, Brodeur and, you know, Luongo and all the price. And now it's like, you, you bite your finger a little bit. You're like, Aiden is Hill Jordan and Jordan Bennington? Bennington? <laughs> What's happened? <laughs> I like those guys. They're good NHL players. But I'm saying, we're talking about the Olympics. All right. Great conversation. Love you all. I'm sorry to end it like this, but the Nuggets have to go on. So we love you. Bye. <laughs> Like the mayor.